information about our ministry, go to jwaller.com. We're going to be talking about passion. I'm going to be using as a subject, vision is never enough. Vision by itself is never enough. If you got your Bibles, go to Psalms chapter 69 and verse 9. Psalm 69 and 9 says very quickly, Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. If you're reading in the King James, it would say, The zeal of the Lord has consumed me. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. May we bow our heads one more time and pray. Father, I thank you that you minister this word to our lives, that it changes us, that we bear fruit from it 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, amen. and amen. A Dutch diamond collector was seeking a very rare diamond. A dealer in New York by the name of Mr. Winston heard of this inquiry and contacted him, letting him know that he believed he possessed the diamond that he was looking for. So the diamond collector arrived and Mr. Winston had his salesman present the diamond. The salesman described all of the technical aspects of the diamond. However, within minutes, the diamond collector rose Uh, from his seat and was not willing to buy the diamond for he said it was not the one that he had previously been looking for. Watching from a distance, Mr. Winston hurriedly intercepted him as he was walking out and he asked if he could present the diamond one more time. The collector agreed. So Mr. Winston pulled out the same diamond and started describing his admiration for this particular diamond, the way it was cut. Within minutes, they were signing papers, and he purchased the diamond. As the gentleman was walking out, he asked, What just happened? Why was it so easy for me to say no to your salesman a little while ago while with you I purchased the diamond within minutes? Mr. Winston answered and said, That salesman is the best in the business. He knows more about diamonds than anyone, including myself, and I pay him a very large salary for his knowledge and expertise. But I would gladly pay him twice as much if I could put into him something I have, which he lacks. You see, he knows about diamonds, but I love them. See, vision alone cannot complete itself. Your vision has to have another force, the spiritual force of passion. Someone say passion. Passion can be more important even than a clear vision. For if you are passionate enough, God will put your feet on the right path. Passion is something that I cannot teach you. Passion is not something that I can train you to hold. I cannot impart it into you. You must stir up the gift that is on the inside of you by the laying on of the hands of the eldership. See, vision is God's work, hear me, but passion is man's work. Say that with me. Vision is God's work, but passion is man's work. Andy Stanley states, a divine vision is not dependent upon us making something happen. We're not trying to make something happen here at my father's house. Divine vision is dependent upon God who makes something happen. End of quote. It's what Psalms 127 and 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. He does not say that it won't get built. You will build it, but you will build it in vain. If the Lord builds the house, it'll stand sure and strong. 
So it is God who works the vision in. It is our passion that works the vision out. Vision is God's work. Passion is man's work. Great leaders have a vision for what could be, fueled by the passion that it should be. I'm going to say that again. Great leaders have a vision for what could be. No one lays awake at night dreaming about the ordinary, the status quo, the barely getting by, the land of just enough. But I believe prophetically God is calling you out of the wilderness. Some of you have been walking around the same mountain for years now, walking around the same problem, the same struggle, the same issue. Seems like forever. Just enough. You're not doing that bad, but you got just enough. The wilderness. I believe God is calling you to the promised land. The land that flows with milk and honey. The land where the grapes are the size of basketballs. The land where you see Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide for you. Amen. But you're going to have to get some passion to get there. Because standing in front of your way is the Jordan River. And if you do not employ passion in your life, God can give you every promise in the book, but it takes passion to bring it to pass. God works the vision in, but if, if brothers and sisters, if we're just relying on God, we'll have a lot of vision inside and be frustrated outside because we need more than just vision. We need passion to bring it to pass. God works the vision in. Amen. Passion works the vision out. Great leaders don't dream about what, uh, uh, what, what is just ordinary or status quo or barely getting by or the land of just enough. They dream about more than enough. They dream about the promised land. They dream about milk and honey. Great leaders see a vision and believe that their passion fuels that vision to its completion. Is there anybody believing God for some promised land experiences this year? Let me see your hand. You're going to have to have passion to get it done. I said you're going to have to have passion to get it done. See, the greatest warfare you have in your life is to maintain enthusiasm, passion, and an energy to create. I'm going to say that again. The greatest warfare you have, it's not the devil. It's not other people. It's the ability to maintain enthusiasm, passion, and the energy to create. Because when you have energy to create... When you're enthusiastic, when you have passion, it's at that moment you are most like your creator. It is at that point you are most like God. You're not God, but you're in his image, in his likeness. And you've got to have some passion. Nothing great has ever happened without passion. Your physical body won't change unless you get passionate about taking care of it. Your marriage won't change unless you get passionate about uh, 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 treating one another right. Stop being so mean and nasty to one another. Talk to me back in here if you can. Your finances will not change until you get passionate about getting out of debt. Passion is what fuels change in your life. Say amen to that. 
So Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is on the inside of you by the laying on of my hands. In other words, I put some stuff in you, but it's been laying dormant in you, waiting on you to stir up the fire. How many's ever been around a fire and the fire will eventually die down? But as long as there's some coals at the bottom, you can stir up the coals. You can blow on the coals and you can start a brand new fire. You don't have to get your fire stick out. You don't have to get your lighter out. All you have to do is stir up what's already down at the bottom. Well, brothers and sisters, God has been uh, an all-consuming fire in your life. But if those fires have been dwindling over the last season of your life, as long as you've got coals down on the inside, the breath of God's Spirit can blow on those coals. And as you stir up the gift that is on the inside of you, you will begin to walk again, live again, praise again, pray again, minister again, preach again with the fire of the Holy Ghost. But you got to have some passion. Jeremiah said, I tried to stop preaching. I tried to shut my mouth. I said, I'm going to give all this up. I'm going to give all this church stuff up. I'm just going to go away and do something else. I was tried to shut my mouth, but it was like a fire. Shut up in my bones. See, some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you've never been plunged into the fire. But for us who have been around a while, who've been plunged into the fire of the Holy Spirit, I cannot sit here and act like somebody else. When I've been full of the fire of God, it makes me preach different. It makes me pray different. It makes me praise different. It makes me magnify God in a dry and weary land. And if I was to shut my mouth, it would be like an all-consuming fire shut up in my bones so I'm going to release it because I really don't care what people say or what people think I'm going to praise him in the morning praise him in the afternoon praise him all through the night because you weren't there the night he found me and you didn't feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms all around me and you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box I got to praise him I got to worship him I got to magnify him. I just can't come in any old kind of way. I've got to praise him with passion. I've got to live a passionate life for God because I didn't choose me. I didn't pick me. He chose me. He picked me. He appointed me and he appointed you and he chose you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. I would to God you get passionate about it. That you'd worship with passion this morning. You can just be dead if you want to be. But I'm going to live my life with passion. Vision is meant to be lived, not framed. And we have to do it through passion. God is not coming for dead dreams held by dead men. He's coming for a burning bride who is passionate with purpose. Hallelujah. Purpose is the reason you journey Passion is the fire that lights your way. The saddest of all men is the man who can see but has no vision. Worse still is the man who has the vision but no passion to produce it. You can have the greatest plan in all of the world. 
You can have the greatest business plan to start a business this year. It will not happen if you don't get some passion and some drive and some fortitude down on the inside that I refuse to go another year like I had last year. If I don't change something, then nothing will change. I'm going into 2017 with my arms wide open saying, God, do what you want to do in my life. I'm going to be passionate. Passionate. Just, just, just willing to get it done at any cost. It's one thing I learned from my father is sometimes you got to stand there and get it done at any cost. Hallelujah. And if people like it, doesn't matter. See, as long as you're willing to stand there, as long as you're willing, amen, to put your uh, uh, faith on the line, it doesn't matter if people help you or not. It doesn't matter if they give you money or not. Uh, it doesn't matter if it comes in or not. Uh, as long as you stand there uh, with some passion and some fortitude, uh, God will bring it to pass. Passion. On fire. Not coming in waiting on the pastor to do everything for you. Being passionate in your own relationship with God. If the pastor never lays hands on me, I can get my own miracle. Oh, as the psalmist David said, my soul longeth after you as a thirsty man in a dry and weary land. Imagine walking through the Sahara Desert for 21 days without anything to drink. Can you imagine how thirsty you'd be? You'd probably be dead, but uh, can you imagine how thirsty you'd be if we didn't give you any water for a couple days? He says, that same level of craving I have for God. And God used David not because he was perfect, And God used David not because he had it all together. God used David because he was passionate for God. Can I tell you that God will cover the multitude of your sins if you're passionate for him? Well, Pastor, I'm waiting to be perfect. You'll wait forever. God doesn't use perfect people. He uses people who yield to him. But you'll not yield to him if you've got this Johnny-come-lately attitude that if God's going to bless me, then he's just going to have to do it. And, you know, if the pastor takes longer than 25 minutes, then I'm just going to shut him off and not listen to him until next week. We got to get rid of that. I said we got to get rid of that attitude. Hallelujah. I mean, at, at, at worst-case scenario, it's two hours. At the very worst, you can give God two hours. But it will not happen if we don't have passion, if we're not people who are passionate for the things of God. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you cast out a demon, it goes through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none, and says, I will go back to my house from whence I've came. And that spirit takes seven more spirits 
more wicked than itself and enter into the man and the man's state is worse than it was from the beginning. The spirit goes through dry places. Not through hell. Not through some underworld. Dry. Dry places. I want to talk to some dry people. Dry. Not sinful. Not evil. Not wicked. But just dry. Nobody. Nobody likes dry. You know, you you saved on your way to heaven, glory to God, but you just you just dry. You don't smile. You don't see anything good in life. Just dry, just just dry, just dry, just dry. Nobody likes a dry waiter or waitress. What do you want to eat? How many know what I'm talking about? Just dry. I mean, they help you, but they don't have the right attitude. Nobody wants a dry waitress. You want somebody that's got some passion to serve you. And when the cup gets halfway down, they fill it back up again. Where you ain't got to go and ring three bells and wave your hand around to try to get somebody to, to wait on you. Dry. Dry, dry, dry. I gotta work this word dry a minute, dry. Nobody likes a dry preacher. A dry preacher. Nobody wants a dry preacher. Uh-huh. Have you wondered why? Have you wondered why people can go and spend three hours in a movie theater and never lose their attention span even for 30 seconds? They stay in it. But people can't give a preacher 20 minutes. Well, it's because the actor is speaking fiction as if it's truth. (laughs) They're acting fiction as if it's truth. But the preacher is speaking truth, but acting like it's fiction. And that's what makes a dry preacher. Somebody who uh, will say the right things, but don't believe it. I was listening to a sermon this week by Bishop Tudor Bismarck, and he was talking about one of his friends who had a pastor, and they were talking, and the pastor was an atheist. Didn't believe in God at all. And he said, how could you be preaching and not believe in God? He says, I don't know, it's a good job. That's the, that's the problem we're having in some of our pulpits today. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Is they've learned this book just like any other book, but they've not applied it. They don't have any passion. They're dry. Jesus said, you are whitewashed tombs. You are full of dead men's bones. You know what your problem is? Pharisee, you are dry. Nobody wants a dry marriage. 
just go to work, come home, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, dry. Wife wearing a potato sack to bed every night. <laughs> Say amen to that. Don't shout me down. Come on. Two layers of sweatpants. Two layers of socks. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Uh, and a pillow between husband and wife. And don't touch me. Dry. Y'all know I love you. Amen. Uh You've heard me say this before, but boredom is a sin of the soul. And, and, And especially when you serve God for a while, if you're not careful, you can get bored. You can even get bored with the things of God. Paul says, I have many things to teach you, but I can't give them to you because you're dull of hearing. You're, you're, you're dry. You've gotten bored with the things of God. You don't live in with any passion. I pray that's not you. But God did give me this word for somebody in here this morning. That he loves you enough to begin to ignite the flames of passion again in your heart. That he has not left you by yourself. That if you will this year open up your spirit, open up your arms and go after God, he will meet you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse you or your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded. Double-mindedness will make you dry. This ain't, this ain't even in my notes. Hallelujah. Double-mindedness will make you dry. The Bible calls it growing in the lust thereof. It's It's... Uh, I'm serving God, but I'm busy, and God knows I'm busy. Really? Really? I mean, let, let, let's, let's seriously unpack that for a moment. No one's that busy. And if you are that busy, you have a priority problem. No one will change your agenda but you. So if you don't have any room for God in your agenda, looks to me like you need to change your agenda because God's not going to do it for you. And when you, hear me, when you go weeks and weeks and weeks without God, without being in the family of God like we talked about on Wednesday night, don't be surprised. When you start drying out, and it doesn't happen overnight. It's you know, it doesn't, you don't go uh, from zero to sixty in a moment. It, you don't dry out it, just overnight, but a little bit at a time. The fringes start drying out. The outside starts drying out. Now I'm not going to praise God like I used to praise Him. I'm not going to be as loud with my worship as I used to be. I'm going to just kind of just drying out. If you're not careful, it'll reach all the way to your heart. 
But God loves you enough to ignite your passion. Because there are certain things, there are certain doors that only passion can open. Let them see that on the screen. There are certain doors that only passion can open. How am I doing this morning? All right. I want to take you to one scripture here because I want you to see this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, or the giving to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you. I don't need to even be writing this, but I'm going to. For I know your eagerness, and I brag about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal or passion has stirred up most of them. Do you see that? Let me explain to you what's happening. Keep that scripture up there for just a moment. Paul had three different missionary journeys that he went on around the known world at that time. He would go to the major metropolitan areas at the time, the major cities of of trade, and he would plant churches. So he's in Ephesus. He plants churches in Rome. He plants churches in Macedonia, plants his church in Corinth. All, everywhere he went, he would plant churches. Well, some of those churches would do better financially than other churches. So some of his churches began to write to him and said, Listen, we are so poor, we can hardly even keep the doors open, so to speak. And there were other churches that were doing really well because of where they were. For instance, this church in southern Greece, the church at Corinth. So Paul sends out a letter to the churches saying, I want the churches that are financially doing better to give an offering to the churches that are in the poor areas so that we level both churches out. So this church doesn't have a stockpile of finance and this church can barely keep the lights on. But here's what's interesting. It says right here, Achaia has been prepared since last year. Or in other words, I have no reason to write to you, Corinth, because you have zeal and passion to give this offering to those who need it. You have a zeal, you have a passion to accomplish the vision. But watch here. You've been prepared since last year. How many see it? The churches that needed the aid and the help were pushed back. That aid, that help, that vision was pushed back an entire year. How many know when you're in need, you need it and you need it now? You don't need it a year from now. You don't need it six months from now. When you're really in trouble, you need it and you need it right now. But Paul could not send the aid and the help that they needed because the other churches didn't have enough passion to complete the task. So he's telling Corinth, you have no reason for me to write to you because I realize you are passionate about this. Your offering has been ready to go for an entire year, but I've been waiting on the other churches and they've seen your passion and to spur them to be passionate so we can get this vision accomplished and fulfilled. 
Why? Because there are certain doors that only passion can open. No matter how much you know, no matter how good of a business mind you have, no matter how anointed you are, there are certain doors that only open when you got some passion. When you're not dry. When you're living life to the full. Till it overflows. See, the thief coming not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. That doesn't sound like a dry life to me. That doesn't sound like dry finances to me. That doesn't sound like a dry prayer life to me. That doesn't sound like a dry spiritual life to me. It sounds like one lived with passion. So let me give you a few principles about passion. Number one, passion finds the shortest distance to any goal. If you want to take a long time, be halfway passionate about something. If you want to take a long time to accomplish it, just kind of be in and kind of be out. It'll take you forever. But if you really get on fire for something, passion finds the shortest distance to any goal. A goal is nothing, but, nothing more than a dream with a deadline. I'd write that down. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Write your vision in ink, but write your plans in, pe- in pencil because they'll change. Your goals will change, but the overarching theme of your life, the vision of your life should not change. Write that sucker in ink, praise God. But how you get there, write it in pencil. Because passions change. What makes you passionate when you're 25 will not make you passionate when you're 55. Come on in here. What was important to you in your 20s will not be important to you in your 40s. You've got to discern the times and the seasons that you're in and find something you're passionate about now in the new season that you're in. In the new place God has... How many want to live a long time? Let me see your hand. You want to... You, you, you understand God has promised you long, with long life He will satisfy you. Show you His salvation. If you want to live a long time, you've got to find something as you get older that you are passionate about. If you turn 70 and you sit down in your rocking chair and never get up, Never do anything. Never be passionate about anything. You'll be amazed how fast you age. But as you get older, you find something that you're passionate about and you do it with all your heart. How many know what I'm talking about? You've seen it probably in your own family, haven't you? Somebody who's living with passion. They do well. Someone who, who, who you know, turns 70 and think that they got to sit around and talk about their arthritis all day. Right. It's not going to get done. Right. you got to have something that you're passionate about. Don't tell me you did, Just stop all that. I'm too old to do it. Right. Just stop all that. I don't even want to hear that. I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah. Colonel Sanders didn't fry any chicken until he was, what, 69, 70? Come on in here. Moses led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt when he was 80. 80. You got to find some passion. Number two. I'm moving on. Help me out. 
Anyone who diminishes, diminishes passion is an enemy. <clears throat> we all have givers and takers in our lives. We all have people who add something to us. We all have people who take away from us. I want to give you permission in 2017 to let some relationships go. I want to give you permission in 2017 to not be everybody's friend. Because if they diminish passion in your life, they are an enemy. They are sent there to steal, kill, or to destroy. Do you know when God wants to bless your life, he sends somebody into your life? I said when God wants to bless your life, he sends somebody into your life. Do you know when the devil wants to attack your life? He sends somebody into your life. (laughs) Say amen to that. Let me get back up here. You've got to evaluate relationships. Who is draining my passion? Who who makes me passionate? I, I don't know about you. I want to hang around people that make my baby leap. I, I want, I want, some of you are like, Pat, what are you talking about, Pastor? See, that's why you need to read your Bible. Amen. Uh, <laughs> I caught that in the spirit. Some of you like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Okay, let me help you real quick. 15 seconds. Uh, so, <laughs> Mary is with child. Elizabeth, her cousin, is also with child. Elizabeth has John the Baptist. Mary, obviously, Jesus. When they come in contact with one another in the same room, the Bible says that the baby that was in Elizabeth's womb leapt. And he was filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist filled with the Spirit while he was still in Elizabeth's womb just because he was in the presence of Jesus. Now how many understand what I'm saying? I want to be around some people that make my baby leap. Someone who ignites passion in my life. You know, you can't be everyone's friend. I mean, you can like everybody and be a blessing to everybody, but you can't be everybody's friend. But you need to have some friends... You need to have somebody that when you're feeling down just makes you feel better. There are certain people when I get into their presence, I just feel better. They don't have to counsel me. They don't have to pray for me. They don't have to prop me up. But I just get around them and I start smiling. I get around them and they make me laugh. I get around them and they ignite some passion in my life. And God is sending some people in your life. Because I hear someone saying, Pastor, I don't have anybody like that in my life at all and I came to tell you the devil is a liar there are people in this room in this house in this family that will ignite that passion for you say amen to that you got to get rid of time wasters time wasters will diminish your passion I've never seen a successful person who did not put a high value on their time Likewise, a poor person never puts any value to their time. But time is the only commodity that you will never get, uh, get renewed or ever get again in your life. You got to find the people who ignite passion in your life. Number three, passion determines what you deserve. Passion deserve, determines what you deserve. You only deserve what you create. 
I'd write that down. You only deserve what you create. This is why the welfare system doesn't work long term. Because people are receiving wealth that they did not create. Thank all two of you. Now, I understand and you, I know welfare is there to help people when they need it. Can I get a good amen? And, and, and we want to help people who need help. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who decide to live off the system. It doesn't work. They can't ever get out of the system. They can't ever get out of the rat race because they are denying this principle. They are receiving wealth that they did not create. But you only deserve what you create. And passion determines what you deserve. Hallelujah. And number four, I'm going to move on here because I'm almost done. Godly passion lives for the glory of God. I could spend more time on that last point, but I want to get here to this point because if you get a vision for your life, if you're a part of the vision of this house, if you've got a purpose down on the inside and you're passionate about it, but it doesn't lead you to the glory of God, you've missed everything. Because godly passion lives to bring God glory. Not glory for my life, but let my life bring you glory. And I pray God makes us a house of passionate worshipers. People who are passionate for the things of God. People are passionate for the glory of God. Now, we don't have to stand up here and say, rah, 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 sis, kumba, to get somebody to clap their hands or to shout the preacher on or to glorify God. I like our church where they're on fire and they don't mind magnifying God. They don't mind lifting up their voice. Enough of these frozen, chosen, dead churches. Give me a church that's on fire, a church that's alive, a church that wants to bring God glory. That's my message. Let's stop there.